It's a very long, very difficult gospel today. Exhausting, really. Not just because it's so long, but because there's so much going on today. So many different forces at work. A whirlwind of things that we witness. One of the most difficult things about this gospel, I think, is the whole fact that Jesus takes his time getting to Lazarus. Some theologians describe Jesus as kind of a divine show-off, I think, saying that he raised Lazarus from the grave just to glorify God. Some even think John inserted this into the gospel to differentiate Jesus from other teachers out there. He was the one who was God. Even our spiritual cousin, John Wesley, in his Bible, said that Lazarus' illness was the manifestation of the glorious power of God and that Jesus wept out of sympathy with those who were in tears all around him. But as well as from a deep sense of the misery sin had brought upon human nature. So Jesus wept with sympathy for people that were around him and he wept because he remembered in that moment how sinful we all were. I don't know, but it seems kind of cavalier in a way that Jesus would just let a dear friend, the one he loved, says, lie around in pain and sickness just to show off how good God was. In my life, when I've had people I cared about who were sick, people I cared about who were dying, I pray to God to show up, to do something now, to heal, to cure even, to take care of this. So it's difficult for me that he would have known Lazarus was sick and then waited. And, you know, we can read into this delay, as theologians have done, uh, Lazarus' death. And and we can read into Jesus' subsequent weeping, all kinds of, of theology, all kinds of ways of explaining things away. But I think if we take a step back, we see a story that is all too familiar to all of us. A chaos surrounding this kind of uh, misfortune, this kind of illness, this kind of death. It's all too familiar. We all know that human beings weep when they feel the pangs of death and separation. They feel the pain of regret for that one last conversation they didn't have with a loved one. The memory of their friend stirs within them and they remember that they will no longer get to be together here on this earth. On any given day, see, Jesus was a member of of an ancient Mediterranean society where death was a, a big part of life. Death was not sanitized and sequestered away from society as it is today. On any given day, Jesus would have seen bodies hauled out of a house, burned on a funeral pyre, heard the wailing cries of of mothers whose children had died from disease or starvation. 
Death was as common as watching the sun go up and down. Life expectancy was not promising for anyone in Jesus' day. So why then Lazarus? Why now does he step in? He could have raised any number of people to the dead from the dead at any moment during his life, but today he chooses to step in and raise this man back to life. Why? We have to wonder. Because he could. Because Jesus loved him. Because Jesus wanted his friend back. And maybe even because Jesus felt a little human regret that he had waited. Today's gospel, we see Jesus grief-torn, Jesus weeping, Jesus regretful, perhaps, Jesus just like us, Jesus human. But then we see Jesus as God, Jesus decidedly not us, Jesus bringing the dead back to life, resurrecting his friend from the grave. We see Jesus reacting with with the grief and the chaos of a bad situation, just like a human being, and then plunging into the chaos and being God. Jesus defeating death. So why us then? Why now? Why did God then choose... Why did God choose to make us flawed as we were? Why did God watch us break creation and then, and then do all the things that we do to one another within that brokenness? And then why now does God find it in God's self to redeem us, to save us, to send us God's self in this human being, this Jesus to live and die among us? Why then does God choose to defeat death once and for all? We all know how the story's going to end, don't we? God defeating death. Easier, I would think, to send a flood or a fire or just leave us to our own devices and let us destroy one another rather than saving us. Much simpler, much cleaner, isn't it? God being all godlike and all judgmental in our brokenness and just decreeing a big cosmic do-over with the wave of his hands. But instead, God chooses this cosmic do-over by sending God's self into Jesus Christ. Why? Well, because God could. Because God wanted to. Because, as the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word. At the very act of creation itself, this love for us existed. This word, this love was God. And we all know this word, when it became Jesus, was all about resurrection. So what we have here in this long and difficult, exhausting gospel is a Jesus who was all of us and yet who was all God. In this, we have a God who is vulnerable. We have a God who weeps with us and performs miracles. We have an illogical, confusing mixture of divine and profane, heavenly and earthly, perfect and broken. We have God getting right in the middle 
of all the chaos, to mess with the whole created order and bring a person out from the grave. We have God all-powerful and we have God all-vulnerable. We have God's power showing forth through God's vulnerability, don't we? Writer Brene Brown, in a book called Daring Greatly, I'm enjoying quite a bit right now, talks about the power of vulnerability. She says it's, it's one of the most, if not the most powerful thing a human being can embrace and that the strength of any person comes from his or her ability to be vulnerable rather than to cling to outward notions of strength or worth or invulnerability. And she calls the ability to live into our vulnerability wholeheartedness. And she says that vulnerability is a starting place for courage and compassion and connection and identity. And through her research, she says that suffering begins in disengagement and control in a belief that we are just not enough. So what we have here today in John is Jesus, God's son, being wholehearted, don't we? Jesus doesn't blow into the scene like some superhero taking control. John describes his friends as being upset with him. One of them wouldn't even speak to him at first, and the other one's very curt and short with him. Jesus does not come in and, 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 and raise Lazarus from the dead. No, he, he looks at all the people weeping around him, and he takes in the scene, and he talks with both of his friends. And before he performs miracles, what does he do? He sits and he cries. He admits in front of his friends, his followers, his students, even his enemies, that he feels horrible about what has happened. He shows his humanity, his compassion, and his vulnerability before he does anything. Before he does anything, Jesus weeps. So in this exhausting gospel, we have God being connected to us in a way that's unfathomable, really. God weeping. God, one of us, sitting in the dirt, sobbing. Because his friend has died. Because perhaps he was too late. It's difficult for us to imagine God suffering and weeping with us in such an ordinary way. messy and sad. Yet God. Lazarus being raised from the dead, I think, gets us prepared for Holy Week. Helping us remember that this man, Jesus, had within him and was the very creator of the universe himself who loved us so much that she chose to come here and inhabit this form and to know what we know and to feel what we feel and to suffer as we suffer. And we will carry with us the truth that God came here and loved us and lived as one of us and was vulnerable as one of us, and yet we killed him. But we do know how the story ends.
And we do know that we are saved by a vulnerable and wholehearted God.